You're listening to the Good Being Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Good Being Podcast with me, your host, Bo Aganaba. If you've been listening to this podcast for a little while, especially in the episodes that I have guests, you know that I like to ask them, what is good being mean to you? I love the answers that I get. They're different, but there usually does seem to be some kind of tie to them. And I thought it'd be interesting for this episode for me to share a little bit more about the philosophy behind good being and the ways that I see it and why I've chosen to name this podcast the Good Being Podcast and why my business is also called Good Being as well. I've really always been drawn to some of these deep and existential questions. Seems to me like the mystery of being is well worth looking into. I've always had questions. I've always been uncertain about some of the answers that I've been given from society, from conversations I've had with people. And I don't know, sometimes it feels like things don't resonate. And so I think it's okay to have questions. And I think it's okay to be uncertain. This is a mystery after all. So it's okay to want to know different ways of experiencing and exploring this mystery and seeing the different ways that people have been thinking about what it means to be alive, what it means to be here. And for me, good being is is really about this effort to continually ask, how this mystery relates to myself, to us as individuals, to the whole, and how these seemingly different vantage points can actually be mutual, can be coordinated, can come together. The phrase itself, good being, comes from a book by Aldous Huxley called Island. And in the book, all this is, it's almost like a thought experiment. He's asking, what happens if you can take the intellectual rigor and humility of the scientific method when done well with the insight and personal growth and moral capacity that a rich an honest spiritual journey can bring you? What does that look like in a society? What does that look like in an individual? And although the book is fictional, I've found that it's been a really interesting way for me to think about my own journey and provided me some really good questions to ask myself and others. Aldous also has a book called The Perennial Philosophy. And in this book, which is a nonfiction book, he explores various faith traditions from across the world and throughout history. And But it's really through their shared expression of the human yearning to experience the divine, the human desire to find meaning and purpose in a world that seems random and chaotic at times. I know I've definitely felt this. 
And yet at the same time, I'm sure many of you can relate with this, there also seems to be some kind of coherence to the world, some kind of trajectory that the world is on or that the universe is on. So where does that come from and how does that relate to us? How does that, how are we part of that, really? And I want to talk a little bit about myths as well and how that relates to good being and and the stories that we tell ourselves. It's interesting to me that in modern times, when we use the word myth, it's often used in the context of describing something that is not true. But a more traditional understanding of myths, and thank you to Joseph Campbell for popularizing this, is that myths really convey beliefs and values and, and conceptual ideas that are true to our experience through icons and stories and emblems and symbols. And we are storytelling animals. This is part of how we understand ourselves in the world, whether we like it or not. Myths are a large part of how we navigate the world. But we rarely examine what is normative to us through the lens of this mythic meaning making. We don't actually see that our assumptions are built upon these stories. They just seem like, no, that's just the way the world is. And think about some of these assumptions that we have built into our society. Even something like money, how money is a representation of a store of value. But it only works because we all buy in to the fact that money has value, that it has worth. The rites of passage, of, of education, careers, marriage, retirement, these steps that we take to become or to, to feel like we are valued members of society. And these are ideas that our society has created and shared with us. And really, they're tools to help us create shape and direction to our lives and our ability to cooperate on such, this, on such a massive scale like we can. But I think they also point to the ways in which our understanding of ourselves, who we are, what we want, they don't just come from nowhere. They don't just come out of the ether, but they are actually co-created by our genetics, by our experience, by our society. There's no self, some individual isolated self that exists on some island somewhere that is making decisions on how we live, on what we want, um, on this sense of desire that we have to make choices. These desires come from our interaction with the world. And I think that's also why to interrogate the myths that are guiding us can open up some new possibilities for what we want, for what we think is right, and from where our sense of belonging comes from. When we interrogate these myths that we tell ourselves, we give ourselves the opportunity to make different choices, to find different desires and wants, and therefore influence our society to also champion different desires and wants. 
it gives our society the possibility, the capacity to welcome in a wider sense of belonging. Because think about our sense of belonging. Does it really include the whole world, all peoples, the natural world? I suspect for many of us, including myself, it, it often doesn't. Maybe most of the time it doesn't. Because we have a lot of myths about our sense of identity and the team that we belong to. These myths often tell us that if only my team had more power, things would be better. If we could just exclude those people from, from influence, then we could implement the right solutions. If only those people would stop believing what they believe and believe what I believe, then there would be peace, there would be harmony. However you want to put that. But what kind of story are you telling when it doesn't accept and include the diversity of human experience? This is not the same thing as, as the tolerance of, of intolerance. Because I think it's important that we protect ourselves, we protect those who are vulnerable. And yet, if our story does not invite people in, where are they going to go? If they can't see themselves in the story that we are telling about our society, about ourselves, they're going to remain excluded. Diversity for me is something that is so important because it also reflects how nature is, what makes nature strong, what makes an ecosystem healthy and vibrant and resilient. And natural principles are a huge part of the principles of good being as I see it. Because good being is really about how the world is and what it means to belong to that world. Quick break for today's Daily Delight. Given that we are talking about stories and myths, today's Daily Delight is just a really good book. You know, when you get lost in a story, you get lost in a world, and you are just transported. I used to read it a ton as a kid. There were far too many nights where I stayed up too late because I was obsessed with whatever book I was reading at the time. And yet somehow I fell out of the habit. You know, the stresses of university and studying and all of these different kind of things. Reading took a backseat. But I've gotten back into it in recent years. And I hope it's something that I continue to do for the rest of my life. Something special about it and I encourage you, if you're not a reader, you know, find something that makes you curious, that you're interested in. Aside from the pure pleasure that you can experience through reading, it also can do a lot for our ability to focus and concentrate, which modern life is making increasingly difficult for us. So just give it a try. Let's talk a little bit more about 
our individual capacity to make choices, our wants, our, our desires, and how they are this act of co-creation. I've been influenced a lot by Howard Thurman when it comes to thinking about this topic. Feels right to mention Howard Thurman during Black History Month being such an integral part of the civil rights movement. But he thinks about this act of living as a quest, as a quest of, of the human spirit. And it's a creative act. It's a creative quest because when you have to make a choice, when a choice gets revealed to you through your desires, through your wants, there are possible alternatives. And yet, somehow, one makes itself more salient to you, more desirable to you. It presents itself as worthy of the quest. And somehow, for reasons that may be clear to you or may not be, other choices are rejected. And then it's a creative act because when you've decided to make a choice about what you want, about where you want to go, the resources of your life, what you've been through, your experiences, your natural capabilities and capacities, begin to rearrange themselves to support this choice that you have made. They are the raw materials, the energy that are the fuel for you to be able to pursue that quest, pursue that choice, pursue those desires. And it's important because it's also a reflection of how you have been put together, how the things that you have been through have shaped who you are at that moment in time when the, when the decision is made, when the choice is made, when, when the desire is revealed to you. And so, when we give ourselves the opportunity to interrogate these wants and these desires and these choices, we have more of an opportunity to help rearrange, shift, organize these resources that we talked about in a way that supports good being, in a way that supports our sense of belonging with the rest of the world, in a way that supports a more generative story of how our society should be organized in a way that supports more diversity, that supports more resilience for the whole. In order to do this, I'm not suggesting that you second guess every choice that you make, that you fret over every single desire that you have. That's not the point here. That takes way too much energy. What I am suggesting is that you build a practice of, on a regular basis, whether it's weekly or whatever, you sit down with yourself and you ask, what is it that I want? What is it that I'm chasing? Why do I want this? Is this coming from me? Is this something that I want intrinsically? Is this something that I've been given, that it's been suggested to me that I'm supposed to want this. 
Take some time to ask, what is my story of belonging? Who's included in my story of belonging? Who's excluded from my story of belonging? And why, why are they excluded? Is my story big enough, generous enough to include others? How does my story create room for other people to share their stories? How do our stories come together and, and create new stories that are, are big enough for all of us? How am I contributing to that or how am I inhibiting that? Many of the stories that we love have some kind of conflict or challenge at the heart of them. And what we really love is, is how the heroes overcome those challenges. And with good being, it is about looking at the world and having a sense of acceptance for the scale of the challenges that we face. But then asking, how is it that we overcome these challenges individually and collectively in a way that creates something that is more generative, something that is more aligned with these principles of the natural world, these principles that inform who we are as manifestations, as expressions of the natural world as well. And as storytelling animals, we have great capacity to tell great stories about what that could look like. So what does that look like for you? That's it for the podcast this week. Thanks for being here with me. As always, you can leave me a rating or a review in your favorite podcatcher. And if you want to reach me directly, uh, you can send me an email at bow at goodbeing.ca. The Good Being Podcast is a project of the Good Being Company. All music and production by yours truly, Bo Ganova. Thanks for listening.